listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Hey, baby. Losers the king. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Whoever you are out there in the wide world, thank you for lending me your ears. I certainly appreciate it. Um, Today I had the good fortune of speaking with none other than a very good friend of mine, Shane Raymond. I've been at Raymo for a while now. I'm like, come on, man, why don't you have a chat to me? Have a chat to me, Raymo. And he's like, oh, no, I don't know, bro, I don't know, you know. And, um, you know, I got him. I got him. I got him, and uh, he he uh, must have been in a good mood or something because the other day I was like, "All right, let's do this." Um, and he's been, you know, he came and we planned it, and he was like, "I'm going to bring my ice bath round. We're going to do an ice bath beforehand, and um, and then we're going to get right into it." And I was like, "You know, Ramos a, a bat out of hell, as you will find out." Um, so I've been look. I've been stoked. Raymo, thank you so much for coming over. Uh, Raymo is a family man. He's a super hard worker. He's got a, a roofing plumbing business. Um, he is a Spartan in a modern world. I, I tell you that. Uh, you know, the guy could have, what was that movie, 200 or what was it? It's like the dude's a weapon. Um, and, and and just such an inspiration and, and a good friend, you know, like he's been there for me at many turns of many corners when I've needed an ear or, or, or a friend or, or, or help with whatever it is. Raymo's always been there to, 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 um, to pony up and help out. So, you know, the Raymonds are amazing. Thank you, Shane, Andy, Lillipop and JD. So... I, I can't thank you guys uh, enough for your friendship. Um, and Raymo, thanks so much for coming over. I, I really, uh, it was super fun, man. It's super fun. You've always, you're always good, good, good. Uh, you know, you're full of wisdom and and good story. So I appreciate it. Um, now it's a little bit, um, uh, it's a bit of a time between drinks. You might say last year, the end of last year, just blew out, and uh, I, I just was, um, I couldn't get to the microphone i just couldn't it was just um unforeseen set of circumstances that led me to not be able to do uh the work you know that i'd like to do on 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 the horse's mouth so if you're still there and, and you're enduring and um I, I really appreciate it may 2024 be strong um now you know like i came back from the states and and i was really I just keep seeing, you know, anyway, you, you come home from being away and you see how, how liberal a lot of places are and you come home to just speed cameras and, you know, don't do this and don't do that and regulations and red tape everywhere and it's just like, oh, my fuck. And I just, the, the thing that was apparent to me was like these speed camera cars and I think before I went away, I didn't really notice them and then when I came back, I was just like, why don't people smash these cars like i remember i got a speeding fine near my uh mum and stepdad's place right in bowenhead near bowenheads when they were living there for a spell and um and i i remember that there was always there this this car this speed camera and i was like i'm gonna put a brick through the back of the window i was just so disgruntled by it i was like 
you know, I, I had it all planned out. I was going to put a balaclava on and some indescript clothing and put a brick through the back of the fucking window. I was over it. And how dare they? You know, it was like 4Ks or something ridiculous. Um, and anyway, I have another good friend who's been on this podcast and every time he sees a, a speed camera in the street around the corner from mine, text me, speed camera, Fisher Street. Butters, you're a fucking legend. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And not that my car is really a speedy car. It's not, but I just appreciate the heads up. So anyway, it was much to my glee the other morning when I opened the news and there was an article about five dudes who'd had enough and they smashed up a speed camera car and fled. Now, some of you might think that these people need to go to jail and blah, 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 blah. You know, and I, I see it. You know, it's, it's, not very, it's not very kosher. It's not very cool. But there is another part of me that says, yes, yes, one for the fucking people. I'm sick of speed cameras. As you can tell, I'm sick of cameras in general, really. But um, it, that's, it's kind of... Um, uh, what's the word? There's a word for this. Uh, considering that's where I make most of my money is using a camera. So, um, what is that word? The word is drum roll. Hypocritical. The word is hypocritical. <laughs> I hate the cameras, yet I use the cameras. You know, it's hypocritical. So I'm, I, I understand. And look, I'm, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I, I, I am quite hypocritical. You know, like. And I try not to be. I try to live by my word. But every now and again, you know, you throw some rash statement out there and then you're like, maybe I was just being a bit hot and heavy in that moment, you know. And that's part of being an emotional, um, expressive person, you know. And I am guilty of that. So anyway, look, I'm I'm waffling on. And look, I hope you enjoy my chat with none other than Shane Raymond. Love the Ramos. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the other side. You think this is is interesting? Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total barfarama. Hi, this is David Bowie. How good do you feel? Man, uh, ice bath. Oh, that was fucking sick. Electric. Real It's hard to explain to people how good an ice bath is because people who don't do it think you got fucking rocks in your head. Yeah, well, I suppose, I mean, you motivated me with the cold showering. So I'd be, I'd be on a year now with cold showering. So you go hot first, and then yeah, cold... do me thing hot. Yeah, and then um, sat up, brush the teeth, and then just switch her over. I like to do it outside. Got a sick outside shower, just by the garage. And uh, yeah, just uh, you know, do that for at least two minutes on cold. And that's been a bit of pre-season for the cold bathing, for sure. So you've quite embraced this. Um, this, 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 this well, I'm going to work my way to this, Ramo, because you've had a massive shift in the last, uh, what do you want to say, 12, 13, 14 months, do you think it's been? Mm, yeah, well, dude, it's going to be two years. This March, it'll be two years off the piss. Two years? Happened quick, didn't it? That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Because I, I honestly, I feel like I remember, I'm going to bring this up later, but that was two years ago when you were sort of like, I remember you were around here and you're like, fuck, I'm fucking over it. Yeah, dude, my energy levels just weren't there, you know, and as a tradesman, it goes hand in hand, you the, know. You, the fizz. 
Yeah, the beer, you know, the alcohol, the jimmies, the white rabbits, <laughs> um, <laughs> the sand boys. They, uh, yeah, you get a traveller after a big day on the tools and, you know, as an apprentice, that's that's what your boss did. You know, you'd, you'd drive back in the ute sort of thing after a big day, he'd hand you a beer and you just... You swilled, you swilled beer, and then just oh, become man. a habit. You just you swill beer. Look, you know what it's like on I a farm and that. It, well, when I used to do rammed earth, and we would, you know, that's a really labor intensive uh, building material. And at the end of the day, when you, you just we would just smash. Yeah, that's this. it. And I think I loved it. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't help the next day though because you got to get up the next day early, and I was feeling no energy, dude, just dragging me feet. And the only thing that would get me through a hard day's work is just bad weather, like get the adrenaline up and put that lid on. Bad weather. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's just you know you had to harden up and get into it, and that's the only thing that would really fire me up. But oh, I love not drinking, man. I love not drinking. Isn't it wild, right? I love hearing you say that. And um, isn't it wild to think that you say that now compared to the mentality of what we used to have? Yeah, well, it'd been, oh, man, it'd be 35 years that, you know, would have swilled alcohol for. Like, we all sort of started back in the day at 14, 15, didn't you? So... Let's go back there. When do you remember first having your first drink? Oh man, yeah. Jim Bean. That was your first drink? Yeah. Jim Bean. We went to a party and um well, we had a bottle of Jim Bean and I was just getting it, like just swilling it straight. And it didn't work out well for me. I was real sick, huh? So is this back Alcohol in your skating poison. days? Yeah. Yep. So never really drank and then started skating with these dudes, Owie Bennett and that. And how, how long have you been skating for at this point? Because that was a huge part of your growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I reckon I, was, I really got my first skatey probably at seven. The thing about that skatey was we lived on a farm, so I literally had like a, a garage to skate in because everything else was gravel and paddock. And it was like a little blue flex board. You know those swirl ones? It's like a like a penny board, but it was a bit wider. Yeah. And they flexed. And I just used to carve and, you know, tic-tac around. And then mum and dad had a business in Camberwell. So I used to have to go there a lot. And it turned out Camberwell had sick street skating, really good street skating. And... I'd always serve Camberwell and then I'd just vied out from there. So heaps of street skating, super young. Like didn't even really know that crew was skating. I was just sort of bombing hills at Camberwell and at the car park and carving around like full dog town surf did, style. Did you watch that movie Thrashing? Yeah. Josh Brolin? Yeah, me and, me and Jay did actually. That's. Um, did you see it back in the day? I don't know if I did, man. I just used to punish future primitive uh, what about animal, Search for Animal Chance? Yeah, when that came out. I mean, that was next level. You know, that was, was that a bit later, was it? Yeah, that was later. And okay. then you actually got to hear the skaters talk because that was, you know, a bit of a, if you could call it, movie set. I, never, I was in grade six and uh, we had a, a babysitter and the babysitter's son brought that hmm. 
to like he he came when his mum babysitted he came with and so we i used to really like the guy's name was robbie and we used to he used to skate i used to skate uh, didn't have many areas to skate on the farm there's the veranda the wool shed and the workshop Same gig. and the, when he showed me that movie uh, my, i lost my brain yeah man it was amazing and then to to watch that movie and then get some froth on just go skate up you know that would get you up and going so and you just mimic everything they were doing uh, especially, I used to love watching Tom, Tommy Guerrero. Oh, sweetheart. Fan of Pants is firing up. I used to love watching Tommy Guerrero. There was a scene there. Maybe it was Future Primitive where he would be carving down the street and just doing Guerrero slides and just super smooth ollie and garden beds. Um, yes, I remember this. Yeah, had it was maybe San Diego, just bombing hills with little, yeah, little kickers. Yeah, and that was the start of the movie. Was that? I could have almost. Oh, it might have been too steep for San Francisco. Maybe it was one of those. I do remember, like yeah, driveway to driveway, driveway to driveway, just, and he'd ollie and yeah. hit the transition on his way down on the ollie and. As soon as I saw that, I thought, yeah, that's, that's, I love that sort of skating. And it kind of suited where I lived too, because there was a lot of hills and, uh, you know, a lot of kickers like that too at servos. You used to have service stations where you'd always find those little kickers. But, um, yeah, Tommy Guerrero was probably my fave. Yours? Um, well, I'd always go off the artwork of the decks. Mm hmm. Yeah, true. That kind of got you up and going, didn't it? Oh, and I really loved um, the Mike McGill and also Gator. Yep. Yeah, the Gator one was cool. I used to like the the McGill one had the skull. Yeah. And I was thought that was bad. That was badass, huh? I was kind of into that. I had the Lance Mountain, dude. Yeah, you had a Lance Mountain. Yeah, dude. I would have had. I would have given anything to have any of them. Yeah. I, I never. I think I had a. A Veriflex. Oh, yeah. Remember those? They were heavy, dude. That was like a full rhino chaser. Yeah, completely. Had the uh, coping, dude. nose coping, and the everything on the trucks and the rail. Oh, my God. Hey, Whoa. you, calm down. Want me to open that up for her? No, she should. Frankie. She's all fine. Uh, so, uh, but then when I, I think in year seven, I bought this beat up deck of this guy. Frankie. I bought this beat-up deck off this guy, and it was an old Nardis. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, now I can ollie a cow. Yeah. It's funny you say that about Nardis because I had, obviously, had the Tommy Guerrero and the Nardis, but I got him in the Mini. Maybe you could get the decks at the Mini. They were a little bit smaller, and it was perfect for that era because you're just trying to get your eyes in on kick flips and stuff, and the boards were quite wide. And big back then when you were trying to do so that I always found the mini was a good deck to get those flick tricks down, you know. What were you doing to for to for income to buy them by the board? Uh, I was quite fortunate when I got to about maybe fifteen and a half Ringwood Surf and Sail. It was like it was a surf windsurfing shop but they got their eye in on skating and they started flicking a lot of skateboards and there was a lot of crew on vert back then so they were on the team like a lot of vert team and they never really had a street skater and i used to skate with a dude called steve ebbage his name was 
And he was a good street skater and vert skater, sick on the mini. And I started skating with him and, yeah, it turned out that I got a gig on that little team. And that was just, you know, got decks probably one every three months, stickers, Ringwood Surf and Sail, TOs. How sick. It was, man. It was epic. And that was like up the road for me. So I used to to just, they had a mini ramp in the back and I worked there, not for long because I used to fuck the till up all the time. Colin, who owned the place, is like, maybe you should just skate. Because I would fuck up the till all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, it was good, hey? And then he'd kind of, he'd probably hook you up some Stussy pants. Like, I remember the Stussy pants first come out. That was rad. Um, Stussy pants, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to skate in. But I suppose it was like a C, B grade sponsor. Just good enough then, you know. You got your trucks and... Dude, you had access to a ramp. You are getting yeah. flick stuff. You are part of a gang. Yeah, it was rad, huh? And um, I'm getting Bones Brigade kind of vibes. Yeah, it was in a way. Like, mum was sick. She she saw how much I love skating, and they worked hard. So me and my sister used to spend a lot of time at home, and they ended up setting a mini ramp in the double garage for me. So they will park out there. So, you know, you get rained out, you could skate and really get your eye on the mini ramp. And that was sick. Like, it was at the front door. So I literally, mum would open the front door and go, dinner time. And I'd come in, have some tucker. Oh, my God. Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah, it'd do dad's head in the noise, though. Yeah. <laughs> Just tail <laughs> slapping. Um, yeah, but that was fun, man. That was fun. I think skating is an amazing outlet to do. You wouldn't call it a sport it's just a sick outlet. And how's the friends that you, you session with? I feel like, you know, like to some degree, well, society, we've all been gentrified to some degree. But like, you know, back in the late 80s, 80s, 90s, you know, surfing and skating was more rugged and it was not like it was a bit of an outlawry kind of a vibe oh yeah and it was kind of frowned upon too man like you remember you used to go to the city and do the St Kilda run and all that and there'd be some crew like the skinheads and all that that just hated you so you stayed away from crew um but definitely where you know Ringwood they used to frown upon us because that was just littered with bogans you know, if you didn't have a battle jacket and an Iron Maiden patch, you know, you were frowned upon. So, yeah, skating was a bit of an outlaw, huh? You stick you stick together. It was, yeah. Yeah. I, I have such fond memories of those, those, you know, I suppose it's just life, right? It just everyone has fond memories of looking back at certain periods of time. But skating was the first sort of real window where it was a whole world that was pulled back from that wasn't, farm yeah you know and i was like hmm. it was a whole culture that i just like the, the slime ball wheels uh what were the cockroaches mm-hmm. they had um the 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 um what were the wheels that had the high wheel for the ramp and then the oh, low wheel g yeah g bones and t bones or maybe and they had the slime balls as well yeah yeah they had the slime ball super soft wheels like they're the wheels you kind of want now for the bowl at torquay Something that actually creates a bit of traction and doesn't slide out. Super soft. They had heaps of different compounds of wheel, and they were all they had artwork on it. It Was always the artwork that I was sort of really drawn to. 
Oh, totally. But not only that, I feel as if those wheels back then gave the board different pop for some reason. I don't know if it was the surface that you were rolling on or... But, you know, you get real soft wheels on a fresh deck. It always felt real poppy. Or even if it's shitty gravel, it's not as like... You don't get that... It's sort of just smooth over a bit more. Yeah, you wouldn't eat it if you fucking hit a stone. Now, when you're during this period, how was school for you? Yeah, well, there was... I hated skaters and there was like literally three or four of us there. Um, and school's rough, dude. My school wasn't a good school. If I had my time again, I would have probably would have gone to Campbell Tech, which it was going to happen, but it was too far away from home. So I ended up going to Ringwood Tech. Did you get a say in where you went to school? Yeah, I yeah. did. I mean, we sort of knew. I'd, I knew I wanted to be a tradesman and they sort of focused more on, you know, Remember metal fabrication and woodwork and all that? <laughs> yeah. Which was rad, I reckon. That we make did flying that. stars and yeah, shit. Yeah, make a letterbox, a coffee table, egg flipper. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, school for me, I mean, the school, I probably could, I could have gave it a lot more effort, but I left school early, too early. How old? 14 and a half, so I did wow, that's, three months early. in year nine. Three months in year nine, you're mm-hmm. out of the real world. That is early. Early, huh? Yeah. So it was a rude awakening, huh? Because uh, did something specifically happen? That yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Three things in one week, and they had enough. But Dad had a good friend, really good friend, Milton Zeezes. And um, so it was the school that booted you, or you? Walked? Yeah, yeah, yep. And Milton had a really good plumbing business, and he. And he always say, yeah, I like you, Shana. You can come work for me. So as soon as he said that, I reckon I started playing up heaps more at school. I knew I had a job. And he had an older son, Glenn, that I looked up to. And um, he was a plumber. He was like 18. I got along well with him. And, um, yeah, I started playing up. And then, sure enough, when I got kicked out the next day, I were in a trench. With some gnarly crew at... Uh, Pretty real. Yeah, the Westgate shell servos there. Um, yes. Putting in underground fuel tanks there. So that was that was my first sort of three, four months at work there. Right on, in the old days when it was... Yeah, when they were building yeah. those shells. So I put in all of these underground fuel tanks and you'd run lines to the bells there in Gale Pipe. This must have been, what, late 80s? Yeah, dude. Yeah, so oh, do the figures on an arm. That, that was that was pretty wild that area back then. Yeah, so I worked with a lot of crew from Heidelberg, like full sparrow tats, gnarly crew. Um, and I never forget on the first day they like, "Come on, young fellow, we'll have some smoko." And oh, real keen, and you know, wanted to show that old keenies. I said, "Oh no, I don't, I don't smoke. I won't have smoko." And they go, "If you're that fucking tough, you're not having lunch then." Because I didn't know what smoke I was. And, um, yeah, we worked hard, man. Like, they, they really sharpened me axe as a plumber. That was, that was a hard gig. I probably did three years with them. And we used to go to places, shepherd in and do big jobs. So it was location work. It wasn't localised. Yeah, some of it sinks. was. Like, the, he had a contract with Shell, so any new Shell would go up. You would, you know, it could have been anywhere in Melbourne or Vico. Um, yeah, so it was hard work, dude, and I lasted three years. I remember I was at Shepparton, 
And uh, I mentioned Glenn, Glenn Zeezes, and really good friend, man, like a brother. Have, don't see him anymore, but, um, you know, he got treated pretty bad too, and there was a lot of blokes there, and there was a bloke there, his uncle. What was his uncle's name? Was it maybe Fred? And Fred was looking out for me, and they got on the pierce and big time, and I was staying in a room with Fred, and I remember Fred's bloodstones were out the front and Glenn filled them up with water so he'd get up the next morning and no good. So I emptied them out and Glenn saw me do that. And as I walked in the room, he cracked me so hard and broke my nose. What? Yeah, dude. So I was like 17. Wait, can I just, yeah, keep going. I was like 17 and then we got in a full ruffle in the, in the room and went through the window. It was all on, like cops rocked up and... So, yeah, I, I rang up my dad and said, fuck, you got to pick me up. And then I didn't go back to work with Abard. Nothing against Abard. Like, Milton was a good man, but, you know, that was brutal going away for, like, two weeks, working seven days a week, you know, palmy and chips, just watching him get power every night. Yeah. So there's got to be something better than this. So I ended up starting, um, starting up with a mob quite close to my house, GT Plumbing and... Gerald and Tony, and they were legends. They were right into powerlifting. And Tony was like 6'4", and Gerald was real short nugget. And um, you didn't want to muck around with them. You did what they say. But, geez, they were really good plumbers, and uh, they taught me a lot. It was hard because I didn't do that sort of domestic side of things. But, yeah, they definitely made me the plumber I am. I stayed with them for a while. And they did everything from water, drainage, gas, roofing. We used to do a lot down the east coast at Gunner Matter at the golf course there, all those high-end houses. So, yeah, it's, um, that was cool to work with them. And it turned out, you know, Gerald turned around and me going, look, you're really good at roofing. You should start roofing your own company. Because I could get around quite well on the roof. I think maybe with the balance with skating and that. Yeah, I was going to say what... Steered you from traditional normal plumbing to that. And it's obviously that. I, got, I don't regret it, but I got around on the roof and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing the flashings and, you know, the finished product. So, yeah, I... Um, so can I just back it up a little bit? Mm. You were boxing from a young age, were you not? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, when when did you, so when this bloke broke your nose, mm-hmm. you get a couple back, obviously. Uh, and sort of, it was, yeah, it was sort of, we were just bulldogging and we went, we wrestled on the single bed and we went out the window because those windows were super thin, no cuts or anything. And he was a wild man, Glenn, and he was pretty consistent at coming at me and stuff. This was your mate? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we. I don't think it really scrapped on, which was good, but... Um, yeah, I did do a lot of boxing with Mark Canavan, another really good friend of mine. His father owned a gym, Mick Canavan, bless his soul, in Ringwood. And it was a sick gym. It was a hardcore gym. It was right near Ringwood Bowl too. Uh, a lot of BMXs went there, not so many skaters at that bowl. But, yeah, Mick had a really good gym there where Craig Trotter, Dave Russell used to train and fight out of and um i remember it had the hallway like a big hall like a dance hall up the top where you used to do your skipping 
and you'd go down to these dungeon steps and that's where it'd be on there'd be like four heavy bags uh two speed balls a couple of floor to ceilings and a ring like super tight and you had to go under this shelf to do all your you know your groundwork your sit-ups and push-ups and stuff and he had posters typical old school boxing gym you know all the all the pro boxing gyms or fighters up on the wall <coughs> excuse me but um yeah it was fun man it was a great place huh like i i went there super young and it was uh, it was good just to go up top and skip they had that you know three minute cycle make the 30 second slap down noise so you had your last 30 to go hard on whatever you were doing and then you'd have your 30 second break yeah the clock was always on and it was like you think back now it's like wow you used to actually skip for four rounds 30 second break and do it all for maybe an hour non-stop back at that age move from different speedball to yeah. floor to ceiling to bag yeah. To, yeah and talking about skipping like i was skipping this morning practicing me double unders and i thought i'll just warm up and do three minutes dude it's hard work yeah skipping's a yeah it's the whole thing eh? it's hard work they sort of say what is it uh so 12 did, minutes did, of skipping is like 25 minutes of running jogging did you do three minutes of double unders no i'd <laughs> like to say i could not no i just warmed up on them yeah i, I hate counting double unders dude yeah no it's a feeling i think more than a or there's a like a drum beat to it like you know like on the when someone showed me the beat to a, a speedball one, mm-hmm. one, one, I can't remember what it is, but it's a number count. And once yep. I actually got shown that number count, then I could do it. I couldn't do it without it. It's so cool that you said that because I used to kook it when I was super young on the speedball and Dave Russell, a Commonwealth champion, come over. He used to bounce at the Croydon Tour area there. And uh, he has a book out, really good read, but Dave Russell taught me the speedball and it is a count, dude, and it's pretty simple. It's... One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. But each count is two bounces there and back, and then you count it out. Um, and then once that one's two, three, four finishes, you can double them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the world is your oyster from there. But such a good noise too when you double it. You're like fucking. Yeah, listen to this, motherfucker. Yeah, it is, huh? What? And man, I find a speedball like really just switches your brain on you do a lot of speedball huh like you feel super focused yeah something about yeah i do love miss that sort of training actually mm-hmm. hard on your hands but do you you'd wear wraps and everything yeah you wear wraps i mean i probably just you say must that be hitting the bag too hard no nah, i think it's probably i'd probably just say that because my hands aren't good you know but got a few injuries on my hands but um what from Shane? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the scaphoid's probably the worst. You know, like that's got the pins in it in the wrist, and you know that's the right hand. And I suppose the few fingers from motorbike riding. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, like even if you got fresh hands, um, a lot of boxing at our age it's not going to be good for them. And if you're roof plumbing too. Yeah, well, I mean, just going off the dislocated finger I got the other week there. Look, yeah, look at that. It's full banana pop. Yeah, but it's so much better than what it was. Dude, that's the same as mine, but it looked like you moved yours at the knuckle in the center. I've 
fully move that knuckle there. Like, yeah, look at that. Yeah, that's ugly. Yeah, it's uh, it's no good when you hook it on stuff, huh? That's what I did. That's how I did it. Yeah. Yeah, same. But even like now, like if you had to hook it on the fridge or something like that and extend it out, it's no fun. I hooked it on Frankie the other night. And I yep. was like, oh, again, oh. Yeah, yeah, it's no fun. It's like I'd like to get it looked at, but I don't think I really want to go through the time and the surgery. I, uh, if it's surgery bound I will, and, and it's mobile as it is, I just, I, 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 me personally, it's hard to want me to, uh, hard to want to go to a doctor. Yeah, I know, dude. Like, you want to stay away from them. Everybody's, yeah, I know. It's something, it's one of those things, right? Like, I don't know what, it's more of a bloke thing, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm pretty jaded against doctors. I mean, I appreciate what they do for, you know, the surgeons and everything like that, but the everyday drop-in doctor, and especially the doctors that medicate people too much, is probably what gets on my nerves, you know. Obviously, there's a reason here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think... Do you want to um, delve into it? Yeah, why not, dude? Yeah. Um, I think probably... I don't know so much now. I bet you it's probably worse now, but 15, 20 years ago, I know that my mum got medicated wrong by the tablets. Do you know what I mean? It it, it didn't do her any good. Um there's a series out called Dope Sick. Mm-hmm. Have you seen or heard of it? Maybe, dude. Yeah, it's about oxycotton, mm-hmm. pan- the pandemic, or what happened in I America. Had, I did see something about that. Yeah, and you know what's uh, on the Andy Irons um, on that sick movie of his? Is it something God? Kiss by God. Kiss by God. Thank you. Um, a lot of those North Shore crew hit that hard too. Oh, it took America out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so scary what the FDA approved and then the doctors pushed and what it did to families, communities, towns, just, like, fucking destroyed, killed. Oh, man, yeah. Like, I think they had Valium and Zoloft, pretty gnarly. Um, so, anyway, so going back, the, your mum got... That got you pushed under the wrong pills. Yeah, definitely. I think so. And just they were thrown around a bit too much, I believe. Like, um, yeah. I mean, my my mum passed heart attack, but she had Parkinson's, dude. So she had a hard, especially the last two years. It come on hot. You know, I remember she used to shake so much and she used to do it, but she used to sit on her hands. God bless her. She's such a beautiful, glamorous woman, my mum. But, um, you know, the She was embarrassed by the shake. Embarrassed. Oh, poor Totally. But, you know, she would just rule the room when she walked into it. She was beautiful and real fun. So her having Parkinson's didn't sit with her too well, especially when I'd come over. I used to go over at least once, twice a week and... She used to love her sourdough, her Zealy Bay sourdough. So I'd take it over and <laughs> and cut it up for her and bag it up and freeze it for her. Good bread. Good bread. It was good times too, you know. Used to take her some chicken skewers. She used to like cooking them. And, um, yeah, I'd head off to Port Arlington and hang with her and stuff. And she'd sit on her hands, you know. And uh, I used to say to her, you know, you don't have to do that. And once she sat on her hands, her head would move and she'd hate it. She hated it, but 
Yeah, pretty cruel, Parkinson's. Um, but I believe the medication and the stupid decisions, the electric therapy that she got as well, was just not good choices. Not good choices at all. Once she had the electric therapy and she was in a psych ward, the change was, well, no good. Frozen. Is this, uh, what do they call it, electric shock therapy? Yeah. And they basically shock your brain Mm. and try and fuck. It all happened so quick too, dude. Like, uh, it was, well, me and Andy were living in the Goldie, so unfortunately I went back and forth and all that, but a lot of it was sort of hidden from me, I think, just due to me not worrying because me and mum, we were tight, huh? So as a mother does, you know, but yeah, when I, when dad rang me and said, yeah, you should probably come down and see your mum. That was oh, when I went into that psych ward, wherever the fuck it was in Melbourne, it was an ill joint. I used to hate it. And she'd befriend all these maggots that were in there and think they were just lovely. <laughs> and, you know, but once she had that, yeah, she wasn't the same. And she had a couple of them. She never bounced back out of that. Sort of just frozen a little bit, dude. Oh, a little man. bit of defrost to it, but not often. Yeah. And then the meds come in, you know, hot from there. And then I believe the meds, you know, brought the heart attack on for sure. But, yeah, mum... And so during... Sorry... But so they do all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously Parkinson's is a pretty heavy mm. illness. I don't know a lot about it, but I know that it's a uh, it's a showstopper. Yep. Uh, so they're giving her these things and I'm sure, but are they looking at any other aspect of their life? Are they doing things like diet, gut microbes? No motivation for diet, exercise, anything like that. I mean, that's... That's for the individual to start getting, right? We can't rely on doctors to get us through stuff and give us motivation. That's for fucking sure. Mm. But mum was very motivated with her fitness and living and all that sort of stuff. I think it's just unfortunate, you know. Parkinson's has popped up. and um, But the medication definitely brought it on hot, for sure. And I think that... Is that what Neil Danaher has? I'm not sure, dude. It was Michael J. Fox's yeah, I think it's the same. got yeah. it too. He's managed it really well. He puts a lot of money towards it too. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, it's such a debilitating... It's shit, huh? Because they're really switched on inside, but that's shaking and everything, and they're not stoking on themselves at all. No. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not stoking, and that the all all the motor skills and everything go. Oh, it's such a fucking sad. Like shoelaces, that's a that's a hard one to pull off. Things like that, dude. Just everyday living stuff. Yeah. You know, it got to a stage. It's like the crew at Port Arlington can ring me, and I don't know if you know Port Arlington, but you got the road that you you ride. You know, you drive along that bay, and you got the nice grassy strip right along it. No, Mum no, would yeah. just r- drive her golf along that grass, like completely off the fucking road with her pug on the left. <laughs> and um, crew would ring me and go, yeah, your mum's, she's off the road now, mate. She's driving on the grass all the way home. 
So when we said, Mum, no more driving, sorry, we're going to take your golf off you, she was over it, dude. She was over it. And that's when things started to slide too. That's when I would take her a tucker and all that. But she was happy, man. She had a sick beach house down there that overlooked the water, like Queen of Central, Port Arlington Beach House. Good views back to the city. It was. Mm. It was looking straight at it, dude. Yeah, it was straight out. Funny you say that. And um, we did it up, put a new roof on it and stuff. And um, we used to spend Christmases there too. It was cool. We'd have the boat there and do a lot of fishing and all that. But she was happy at Port Arlington. You know, she wasn't, she didn't want to be at Melbourne. And I think I'm a lot like her too. Too many voices and living with crew for. You know, you need your space. Everyone needs their space, and that's where Port Arlington really suited her. So quite appealing. Hey, well, you've got that, dude. You've got a sick little beach shack. Marinating it out, yeah. This is great. Old-school Torquay shack. I love it here. It's got such a good feel, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love it here. Got no neighbours either, huh? I oh, know. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's so good. Just keep it on the lowdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, so uh, trust in doctors and, yeah, I know, it's, it's hard. It's just like, fucking, who wants to be grounded ever? It's just it's such a, a shitty thing, you know, and even with my own trajectory with diabetes and everything, I'm just like, fuck, you know, like quite often they'll go in and I'll go in and they'll say something like, um, you know, we want to put you on statins or something, and I'm like, well, hold on, you haven't asked me about my diet. You want mm-hmm. to put, put on you, dude. Put me on drugs. You want to do this? How about you ask me what I've been eating and what I've been doing, as opposed to? Is that what you say to them? Yeah, fucking. Nice. That's great, man. I love that. We're gonna call them out and go, but but how? This is how I'm feeling. And I say, well, you, you say this this is off. Well, I, I bet you I can change it through, you know, this this and this. And I I have been able to autocorrect um, results through diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one thing. And exercise. You do you do well. Like I see you go through stages of, you know, different foods that you try out. And I mean, obviously that's just due to due to your diabetes, but you know, for your health as well. I'm sure you'd do it if if you didn't have diabetes, but well, it's different ethos as well. It's at different times, like sometimes, like you might watch a doco that's all about um, not eating meat, right? Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I gravitate towards different things, mm. and I'll be, and I'm like, well, let's give that a go. And you'd give it a go for a while, and I've given most things a go for a while, and you know, after a while, you might start feeling weak or just not quite right, and you go, well, I'm missing something. Yeah, you know, and you go, well, I need to shift that. But I've only become sensitive and open to doing things like that through, you know, uh, I guess getting off the piss. Nah, dude, you've motivated me always, dude. Like ever since you had to go straight edge due to your diabetes. But no, no, I went straight edge before the diabetes. Did you? Yeah. Ah, okay. A, a, a year before. Yeah, right. Because your wheels were getting pretty loose, weren't they? Well, I just couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't predict anymore. Like what was going to happen. <laughs> you yeah. know, I had no control over it. Nah, and I, I can relate, dude, because I were your neighbour. <laughs> and you're the shittest neighbour ever. You were fucking loud, man. <laughs> I was going to bring up to this part, but I, uh, I, I, I never, I never forget, Ramo. I'll just jump in and just say this because it's on my mind now. But I remember meeting you. Was it in the Sari Club? 
Yes, it was. Yeah, how is that, huh? Yeah, we were blind. Blind, full Sari club, you know, flip-flops, long-ass bodies, running the no-top, jungle juice. Yeah. Oh, I remember you were frightening. I was quite scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was my first trip to Indo, and I was on the back oh, end of it too. And uh, I'd been uh, at Lakey's, I think, and then partying at the Sari Club on the way, you know, a few nights before coming home and met you, and I was just like so loose it was such a loose time yeah man it was i remember that night huh and we were so drunk but i think we were just hugging it out sweaty as and just talking smack but how many years do you think it would have been from us hanging out at the sari club from you knocking on my door at 5 30 in the morning when i hadn't last seen you as a neighbor tell him that well, no, I don't know how many years that was, but it was a long time. Yeah, were I throwing the timber on your roof before you knocked on my door? No, no, no. I, I, I remember I moved into that little one better that Bleesby's in now. Oh, Bleesby's there, right? Yeah, he bought yep. that. Paulo bought pad. it. Yeah, yep. him and Katie. Uh, and and I remember seeing you, and I was like thinking, "Fuck, I think that's that guy from the fucking Surrey Club." I remember seeing you and I was like, oh, my God, I was, like, scared of that dude too. And then I was sort of like, I don't know if it's him or not, you know, because it was so long between. Yeah. And I hadn't seen you oh, again. Oh, man, it would, be, it would have been 10 years. Yeah, years, yeah, yeah, I reckon. Yeah. And then I hadn't seen you again. And then I I, I never forget that I came back from the Bird Rock and Gully and everyone was there and we had the decks going and we'd been <laughs> up all night playing music just – Fucking, and then all of a sudden there was like loud banging on the roof. Yes. Yeah, loud banging on the roof. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And (laughs) then it was like again and everyone was like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) And you were throwing lumps of redwood onto the roof. And I was like, come out onto the front little porch thing. And you were like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And then you hurdled the fence. Yeah, that's and right. Came... Oh, oh, yeah, you got me up and going because I had to get up for work. I was driving yeah, yeah, yeah. a Point Cook then. Yeah. Mate, but... you hurdled the fence and I remember I was shitting bricks. <laughs> I was like, fucking this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> it was an expensive way to shut you up, dude, because red gum back then or even now, mm-hmm. buying a pile is expensive. So I thought I've got to stop throwing red gum up there and then I started throwing just stones. I think I threw a couple of plastic chairs up there. But you barreled up the deck and you come up and you're like can you shut the fuck up? I've got to go to work. <laughs> Some of us have to work around here and uh, this big spray. And I remember Gully in the corner just going fuck. <laughs> and then I don't know if I can say it right, but I was like Dude, we've got weed here. Do you like weed or something? And I think I offered you a drink, and you're like, "I'm gonna go to work." And I'm like, "We've got weed," and you're like, "Really? Well, oh, yeah. I'll, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Twist us up. <laughs> That's right. And you had a joint with us. Had a joint, but was it that same morning? Because I'm like, I got to go. You guys are units. <laughs> and then you were all geeing up for a surf. You were para, and I'm like, I don't know if I was geeing up for a surf that morning. I don't know, dude. There's a lot of some... vendors in that house. Yeah, but you jumped in the fucking car and you drove over your water meter. <laughs> no, that was a different night. Was that a different night? <laughs> yeah. And then you fucking hit me up for a service call. <laughs> and to roll you a joint too. 
Fucking <laughs> shit neighbour. I think I might have been like trying to get to work yeah, when right. I backed oh, backed over that thing. Yeah, you're switched on, ready, focus for a big day. <laughs> <laughs> and you gave me two hammers, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was just pissing out of the mains and I'm like, I'm going to do this dude up. So I gave you two mash hammers, obviously copper coming out, and I said, you just got to smash them together. <laughs> and you were just getting sprayed hard. It was so good to watch. I couldn't understand what you meant. I just yeah. didn't know what you meant. Hit them and I was like... How many them. days did you have water for? I don't know. I can't remember. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good, man. But no, it was good. You were a good neighbour in the end. And then um, who else we had? We had Ruddo across the road. It was a fun crew. Yeah. We met Miles there at yours. And yeah, that that was actually a fun hang, huh? Yeah. That turned into really good. That was unreal. Windara days. Yeah. Yeah, Windara. And then there was a Johnny across the road and Dunks. Dunks. Yeah. Midzy down the way. Midzy, yeah, yep, yeah, old Bangdara, huh? It's cool. Um, yeah, but you know, you it's, it turned out that it's kind of old partying with you, yeah. And you guys would cook delicious Mexican meals, That's you and it, Andy, man. yeah, yeah. I met uh, a lot of good crew there Gully, Chugga, Miles, all those crew, Matty Burns, yeah, Burnsy, yeah, he was there, and Frankie. Cotso. <laughs> oh, man, do you remember the time? Sorry, this is turning into memory lane. Frankie got on your dirt bike yeah. and just took off. He just tore no, it No helmet. One. No helmet. Tore it another one for like half an hour. He was huh? gone. You yeah. just hear it like round jack. Yeah, yeah. And then the worst thing about it was he rocked up like 100 Ks, locked the back brakes on and just did me rear tire in. That was the worst thing about it. I didn't care about him riding. I'm like, yeah, thanks for that new tire. Cotters. Cotters, eh? Can ride. Can ride. Yeah, really good. And like dirt and track. Yeah, I think he froths the motocross. I think he's recently getting back into it too because he had a pretty gnarly off on a... Big, um, big off. Big table topper. He ended up getting airlifted, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's in the brochure, man. It's in the brochure with dirt bikes. It's um, just a matter of when, really. Yeah, so you 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 have covered some country on all these things, Ramo. I want to drop, drill back to the um, when did surfing sort of first get on your radar? Yeah, I think. Well, my dad spent a lot of time at Kira. He used to stay with his uncle. He had a sick pad right at Kira. There, you know where that big rusty eagle was at the lookout. There, it looked down on it right in front of the Pizza Hut. So. Dad used to surf there and go to boarding school in Brizzy and then obviously... Your dad went to boarding school in Brizzy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, so Uncle Theo was there and, you know, Dad used to longboard and all that sort of stuff. So whatever Dad liked, you know, what it was like, you did. And uh, we'd go up the Goldie a lot, so... I didn't know Leslie longboarded. Yeah, yeah, longboarded and played a lot of rugby and boxed at boarding school. Yeah, and... Um, so we'd go up the Goldie and see Theo and and sure enough, you know, you get yourself aboard and so I probably my first sessions were like at Kira and Greenmount and all that. And then um I probably would have been oh, I reckon ten, twelve, you know, and wouldn't surf a lot through the year, but when we'd go there, we'd go there for like two weeks. I remember we went one trip for a month at the Goldie, it was amazing. And um and then sure enough, mum and dad got a permanent caravan in Torquay 
maybe when I was like 14, 15, and that was sick. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's how I ended up down here, huh? Like I moved down here a few times and stayed in the caravan, which was really cool. It was right from, right up just at Drano's there in that cul-de-sac as you'd walk through the yeah the fence there where the, the fire escape was, yeah. right there at the cul-de-sac. So I was driving down at 17 because I was fortunate enough to get me license at 17. I went to New South Wales and pretended that I was working there and got me learners. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I had it. the one tonner at 17 and then, uh, yeah, I would come down and stay for a night or two in the permanent or sick and that's, I'd surf drainos out the front and, um, yeah, I decided I wanted to move down here and I'd, you know, stay for like three, four months and then head back to Melbs and I was working for a plumber called Mick Thornhill down here. He was loving me. They were doing all these roofs. Made him a pretty penny. And then, um, yeah, sure enough, me and Andy bought down here a long time ago. So, hold on. Yeah, go back. Let's drill back. So, you before you met Andy, mm-hmm. you were sort of coming and going down here. Yeah. And you'd done a few trips. You went to Mexico. Yeah, yep. So, so where did that fall into the line of... Yeah, I'd work a lot, Teague. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a few plumbers on my side where I could say, look, he's busy and they'd take me on for four or five months and I'd work hard and then I'd travel and then I'd come back and stay at Torquay and then just throw myself around a lot. Yeah. And stay dad's in Heathmont. If I'd make a buck in Melbourne, I worked a lot at the casino doing sprinkler systems there. And, and um, yeah, so I'd just uh, work hard and then travel. So, you know, what was the first trip, dude? I went to the States, to Cali. Yeah, you always tell me about this trip because yeah. you met this guy, Benny Bigler. Yeah, Benny Bigler. What a lord, huh? He set me up. He, he I mean, in the right direction to go to Max. Because I had the, the combi. Bought a combi and he's like, you know, if you're going down south, like right down the mainland, he gave me a heap of penthouses and playboys. And he's like, when you get to a border crossing or something like, you just rest it on the dash. And I'm like, really, dude? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so you know, sure the- enough, the amigos, you'd be there with the M16s, and you'd go, and you'd hand him the playboy, and they'd go straight through. But you'd end up, you'd run out of them, dude. So they would strip your car, they'd go right through you. So that that was a good trick tip off Benny and. Um, how good's Mexico? Oh, it's my favourite country. Yeah, like, you know, I'd get me eye in and I'd go down to Tikla and surf and um, and then you'd go a little bit further. And I remember I went to Such Cabo. a good ride. Yeah, Cabo St. Lucas. The, boys... the Tikla was the right, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And was it, you know, there's a really big wave spot just out of Laticla to the, I think, the south slightly. Yeah, didn't they have a comp there? Isn't that quite some time ago? I don't know. Yeah, well, I think so. I, I could be so wrong, but I think they used to have a comp there. Taylor Knox won it a long time ago. I don't know. If not really. Maybe I think it was in Max. Because it's the there's just out of Laticla is the, the most. We want to take a piss? Oh, dude, I'm busting. Oh, yeah. No, we'll just pause it. Unpaused. Yeah. Feel better? That's better, dude. I needed that. Yeah. That ice bath gets you up and going for that. Is that what it is? I reckon, huh? You know what I'm going to do, though? 
Tell me. I might leave that ice bath here because it's a lot more zen to do it in that front yard. You, you want to leave the ice bath here? You're more than welcome. Yeah, I think I'm going to because just where we've got it at home, it's super tight and I'm scaring the neighbours. <laughs> I am, dude. Like, I had to apologise to one of them. They're like, yeah, I wonder what the fuck was going on there. <laughs> like, getting out, going... <laughs> <laughs> War starts now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. So, yeah, I'm going to leave it here, dude. I'm scaring me kids. If you're wondering, um, Shane brought round his portable ice bath. Um, Fucking good. Made me do six minutes in it just before we got going. He killed it, dude. You smashed it, dude. You smashed it. See, when's the last time you've ice bathed? I don't. Uh, three, four months ago? Yeah. And, I mean, we had this conversation. They're next level cold. You're getting in a fridge freezer there, right? Oh, bugger. Um, here, use that, buddy. What do I do? I think just crack it and cut yourself. Oh, fuck. I just went to open a can of... You're going to have to shotgun Mineral that. water <laughs> and I... You're going to have to shotgun that Mount Franklin, dude. <laughs> punch that. Punch it. <laughs> Keep going. I'm going to get another one. Yeah. Um, but I think I've I've sort of been getting into the ice bathing, and I'm probably on me. Oh, dude, I'm just a rookie at it, but I'm ninth or tenth session, and I've just been up in the ante every 30 seconds, you know. So is that six minutes, 30 then? What did you start at? Dude, I just started with no ice and just got used to the thing because I was wondering if it was too small being one of those portable things. I, I honestly wondered the, the same yeah, thing. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to fit in this. And um, you got to get down low and go, go, go. So, and this started off super basic. I think I got myself two bags, two minutes 30 and just up the ante. Now I like to try and just do four bags. Um, <laughs> <laughs> four bags on a good night. And then... Um, you know, just bang 30 seconds on it. Fuck it. Apparently you get to like that eight-minute mark and you trance out and you just deal with it. So you, what, you've been YouTubing this? Nah, I'm, I just, I don't even care how cold it is. I'm but just putting four bags who, in. Who told you about this eight-minute trance? Just this kook that I watched on YouTube. Oh, yeah. was it YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> I do watch a lot of YouTube, right? Dude, it's all right. Uh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, I'm just tubing up all the time and I don't watch TV. I mean, you don't want to watch the news. and You know what I'll, I like to do is I'll, I love to start the morning with a coffee and sit on the couch and do some YouTubes mm. and, like, learn something or get a perspective on something that I'm not familiar with and be like, ah, oh, fuck, that's cool. And it sort of gets the brain going. I, yeah. I don't know, for me, I like uh, that. Dude, I can watch a YouTube click and fucking just get motivated on something like that. Like, I'm, I'm watching a lot of calisthenics stuff, a lot of body weight stuff on YouTube at the moment. I'm frothing on me calisthenics. And, um, yeah, there's some freaks so, on that. So tell us about, this is how you learned the, f- what is it, five and five? Or five and- nah, totally different, eh? That's, uh, that's more compound lifting, five by five. What is five by five? Five by five is five compound lifts. Uh, you do five sets, five reps. So five sets, five reps. Yeah, right. So, so on the yep. Monday you'll you'll do five sets, five reps of bench, then five sets, five reps of back squat. So at each at number five, do you want to be? Hurting or comfortable? Yeah, you want to pretty much 
on that 25th rep, even the 20th rep, go to failure. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, in between every set, you want to at least have two to three minutes rest. So it's something that I'm not used to of training and resting so much in between. Yeah. It's like a lot of those warm-ups you do at CrossFit, yeah? Like, you know, when you put a certain weight on and you're up 75%, 80%. You mean the strength part? Yeah. I strength love the strength part. Same here. It's super mellow. It's, yeah. Have um, a chat. Yeah. <laughs> but with this 5x5, five five, you you do your bench, your back squat, and then your seated row on the Monday. Then you have your day recovery. Wednesday, you do strict shoulder press and then five sets, five reps, and then one rep of five sets of your max deadlift as well and then you go back to what you did monday friday and then the next week you'll double up on those two other exercises your you know your shoulder press and deadlift you'll do that the monday the friday so you rotate them around if that makes any fucking sense but um the five by five is sick for all compound lifting uh, you pick a weight and you go up two and a half kilos or five kilos every week. So it definitely makes you stronger, Teagues. And so like your ice bath, you're just building on it. Yeah, so you might start bench at 50 kilos, five sets, five reps. Next week, you have to go to 55. Wow. Following week, 60. So It doesn't sound like much, but it is. It is. Some crew do it in 2.5, yeah. you know, but I think five is only fair. If you start, you got to start light and be smart about that. But, yeah, you, you, you do eight weeks of that and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're having a bench 85 kilos, five sets, five reps. So you do this three times a week? Yeah. And how do you know which five, I mean, which exercises to do? Well, you, on the Monday, you'll do those three compounds that I mentioned, your bench, your back squat, and your seated row. And then on the, tu- on the, sorry, on the Wednesday, you'll do the shoulder press and the one set, one rep of, um, of your... Uh, deadlift. Deadlift, thank you. And then you, you've done those, you know, your Monday, you'll do that on Friday. So you've done them twice, and then your deadlift one, you'll do that twice on the following week so you're not repeating you're giving yourself to recover yeah did you learn this on youtube as well yeah youtube the tube (laughs) just surfing the tube and it's a real old workout it's like 120 years old this workout super basic but i was frothing it for like eight weeks and man i enjoyed it and it gets you super strong um definitely like that explosive athleticism that you get through compound lifting you're not gassing yourself out so it's got nothing to do with cardio um i'm not doing that anymore but it was it was just something good to stick out if you go in a gym because sometimes you get a bit lost um but yeah i'm missing you at crossfit everyone is no man i'm i'm i like i love crossfit i really do i, I really do it's been healthy for me to have a bit of a break mm-hmm and just uh, concentrate on a few other things for a little bit, mm. and and scratch some itches. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'd been wanting to scratch that itch and try some jujitsu. Yeah, hmm. 
And I wish I had have come at that a bit uh, younger. Yeah, that's a big ask. What are you, 40? 47. 47. Yeah, it's a big ask to walk into a, you know, fresh meat, white belt, 47. Um, they're going to look after you up there. Pete's, Maxie's a legend. They're going to look after you and all that. But it's hard on the body. For that first three months, I remember when I started at, oh, I think 32, 31. Uh, oh, young then. And that first, oh, man, that first year was hard, especially with roof plumbing in between. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a credit to the crew who do jujitsu and keep consistent at it and have kept consistent at it and like, you know, those belts don't come easy at Pete's and you see crew training hard for two years, two and a half, and they'll get their blue and then they'll get their purple five years and all of a sudden, like Harry, he started the same time as me and, man, he was black a long time ago and, man, it's a credit to him. To do that consistently to three, four sessions a week is neck level. I think if I didn't surf, I'd be... You couldn't keep me out. Yeah, I think um, Dewey always, you probably would have found this too, training with a really intelligent crew are good at Dewey. Really nice people. Yeah. Like, I, you know, like you, spend a bit of time in the boxing gym and various places, and I, I don't think I've ever come across a bunch of people with less ego, mm. as in everyone wants to help and you're going to be mellow too if you're rolling that much and physically fighting and you know protecting yourself and trying to tap crew out you're content you're mellow it's probably the mellowest and most relaxed i've ever been and i told you that before i before you walked in there it's like you're gonna feel super relaxed and you won't feel stressed because crew are gonna school you (laughs) and put you in your place and i mean it's it's tiring too, huh? Like you said, you were training hard, but you were sleeping a lot too, huh? So I was really tired. Mm. It was it was asking a lot of me. I could tell. Oh, I remember if I had a five o'clock session, I'd come home at two to sleep before I'd train. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but a super addictive sport. Yeah, I can see totally why it's a, like a you know way of life. Like mm-hmm. it's unreal. Mm. Unreal. And so you look at people, you know, you look at people, and this is what's quite an eye-opener. And you'd think, like, back in the day, you'd be like, yeah, I could take that guy. You saw him in the pub, you'd be like, yeah, no worries, whatever. Shut your fuck, you know. Mm-hmm. He'd been an arrogant little fuck. Mm. You, and then you just realise you don't know who the fuck you're messing with. No, and there's so many crew that are doing not just jiu-jitsu now, but, like, MMA and a lot of young crew are frothing on that stuff. Mm. Um Dewey, what's Mel Mel's Mel Swan's son's name? Jake? Is it Jake? Jake? Don't know. Swanny, young Swanny. Is he in it? Yeah, he's unreal. Yeah, yeah. he likes his MMA. Uh, I think or... he's a really good boxer, mm-hmm. but I think he's come into jujitsu. He's uh, white, but he's good, a really good white. Mm. Uh, well, he'd under, understand a lot of defense and body movement too. You know, like just because you're on the ground, it's the same thing. Um, I think any advice I can give if you're going into a Dewey gym and starting up is just be super humble and put your ego aside because strength... Well, I think it does. I think it just does it naturally. Yeah. Well, if you, strength isn't going to get you by, no way. If you start bulldogging and trying to maul crew, it's not going to work out for you. There's some really good crew in Torquay rolling. 
Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, drilling back. Now, what? where were we at? We were going Leticla. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, Leticla, that's right. Mm-hmm. So Leticla, it was the, anyway, well, I can't re- remember the name of this wave, but I remember Jorge. Jorge at Nexpa? Yeah, it took me. He was at Leticla when I went up there. Oh. And he showed me this spot, and it was off the grid. So that's near Nexpa? No, no, Leticla. Leti- yeah, that's. They went chasing this swell. Okay. And we went. So he drove north? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's weird to drive north for a swell. You'd think they'd be driving further south, huh? Wouldn't they? Because of this spot. And so this spot, actually on the map, is the most western part of Mexico. It sits right out. And it's, uh, I can't remember. It's a ways away from. So it's a big bommy? No, it's this sort of bay, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a bay like Barra. And you can, if you timed it, you could punch out like you could at Barra from that corner. But I'm not kidding you. When I saw it, it was a prop. It was ten foot plus. Mm. Like twelve. There was a guy who had nearly died there the day before. They pulled him out, and it was huge. They were riding, you know, eight foot proper guns, nine foot guns, and just it, it, it looked scary, man. Like very scary. And so Jorge offered me a board because I didn't have any kind of equipment that could handle that. And I was like, I just, I just, no, nah, I can't do it. The The consequences were way too real. How are your confidence level now if you were looking at that? Yeah, still, man, like, because it was so remote and there was so much water moving and the fact that hmm. uh, a really good surfer there had nearly died the day before, I was just sort of like... Next level. I'm... I'm here to have a pretty good time. You're a long way from home. You're a long way from home. And I really felt that, especially, you know, like there was a lot of heavy stuff going on in that area at the time. And uh, the the waves that we got over the next few days actually at Leticla was so good. Mm -hmm. Manageable? Really manageable, man. Like I rode, you know, 6-1 round tail and just had a ball. Yep. Jorge was out there too. And it was really good. That was a special time. So anyway, you were in that area and you had a combi. Mm. You dro- and I, go, that, you I just kept going further there. and further. And then I had a mate, Damien. He's like, do you want to go to Cabo St. Lucas for the Day of the Dead, Halloween? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So we went down there and we stayed at this RV park and... It was like a night before the Day of the Dead, he met some crew... And he went to a festival and, you know, they got sideways and had a great time and had tacos. And I remember I just surfed Cabo, the beaches there. And they're like, you got to come tomorrow night and all the rest of it. I'm like, yeah, sweet. And it's Day of the Dead at Cabo St. Lucas is huge. Obviously, they go to all the graves and, you know, they, they celebrate the death. Yeah. So went to this festival and we'll uh, trap. It's know. a great thing to celebrate. Yeah, no, it is, man. And they 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 swill tequila around the grave and get in it. I'm like, that's cool. More fun than taking flowers, I suppose, huh? <laughs> and um, Damien befriended these Canadian crew. Never forget this dude. He was super tall, like six foot fucking seven, real lanky dude. And they were all playing this game at a festival, like, you know, and this dude was hitting Damien up. Because I was travelling with Damien, was a friend. He was, like, hitting Damien up for coin. He's like, you know, I nearly won this, nearly won this. And Damien gave him, like, 100 US. I'm like, dude, you're tripping. What are you giving this kook money for? So 
he ends up like winning a kettle or something. So I'll heckle this Canadian dude. And, a kettle? Yeah, like a kettle, something fucking stupid like that. And I was heckling him and he started roughing me up. So I, I never forget, I picked him up and put him in this bin like a 44-gallon drum. And then before we knew it, bang, police handcuffed us both together back to back and put us in the back of this little banged up tray ute straight in the lockup before we knew it. it was like a, two minutes around the you've corner you've been in a mexican lockup mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and we went into this jail dude and the jail would have been the size of this lounge room big and there was a lot of amigos in there like a lot and this all the way there this canadian's like we've got to be jailbird buddies man we're going to stick together and i'm like this dude's fucking ill so they put us in and he, he just kept at me. So we ended up having a biffo in jail. This mean, this big Canadian dude. And then it just went, we, we fought, right? And the Amigos just sat back and like watched punched it. punched on. Yeah, yeah. And this dude was big, man. He was raining him down on me. It wasn't working out for me. So what led to you two fucking punching on in prison? <laughs> he just kept saying we're jailbird. He was just too much, and uh, <laughs> we're jailbird buddies, we've got to stick together. So, sure enough, I could hear Damien's um, voice in the background. He was paying the police to get me out, and I was out. I'm like, thank fuck for that. So, we went back to the. Um, so, did the Canadian guy stay in? Yeah, yeah. We went back and we slept it off. And then, sure enough, this Canadian dude was banging on me, combi going, I thought we were jailbird buddies. This guy was big, man, super tall. And I went in a full defense mode. I thought, this guy's going to get me. So I got out of the van and he's shaping up. And Damien, I never forgot it. I'm like, Damien's going to be there to help me because this dude's a monster. And Damien just pulled up a chair, a deck chair, and just watched everything. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. And the only way I got through it, and this is bad, was there was a like a 1.5 garden hose that we had that we used to drain water. And I, I whipped him. I whipped the fuck out of him. <laughs> I just whipped that fucker. Well, hold on. How far into the punch on did you start whipping him? Oh, even before. Because he was shaping up. And I'm like, this dude's, yeah, this dude's so big. And I remember, like, when we were in the jail, it was like he was raining him down. He had longest reach, Tiki. And he had game. And the only way I could get through it, I knew, was <laughs> with this green piece of hose. And I never forget Damien. He's like, we're going to get the fuck out of here now. So, yeah, we just drove north. We drove north. He's like, if we get pulled up. This north or gonna... south? No, we drove north because we, we, we didn't want to risk it and do the ferry, you know, and go to Mazatlan. So this was after you'd been at Nexbar and everything? No, no. We were on the way to Nexbar. We hadn't been to Mazatlan. I hadn't been to mainland yet, and I'd been locked up. I'm like, this is going well. I haven't even fucking been to the mainland. Oh, you're still in Bar. Yeah, we're still oh, Carbo wow. St. Lucas. Okay, okay. Yeah, this happened in Carbo. So we, we went north and we just lay low for a few days. Then we got the ferry over to Carbo. Uh, sorry, the ferry over to Mazatlan, I should say. And um, yeah, away we went from there and then went to the fucking land of the left. Rio next, but how is it when you pull into that bay for the first time and you just see it the way it arcs in? Oh, out it's an the, amazing like, joint. Holy shit! I, we'd probably spin out if we went there now. I you reckon know, it's yeah. probably been changed a lot. Like I haven't been to Ulu's for 15, 16 years in Kruger. Huh, you wait until you go yeah, there. Yeah. It's like Bali. Um, it'd be a shame if it was that bad at next, but I can't imagine them being double stories or anything like that. But 
Uh, I spent, man, I spent three months there at one stage. Three months just at Nexpa. Yeah. Easily. And then Jorge, our old mate Jorge, what a legend he owned, part of the land, right? You know, like, your, your trip, man, when I was, uh, I can't remember how this went, but I knew, I think, did I, I, I knew that you'd been there or... Uh, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think you and Jorge just started rapping about the friends that you've got and who's been there and it ended up knowing, yeah. And he was like, or I was like, and then I don't know how we worked out, but he he goes, he he was tripping balls that we knew each other. And he goes, do you know how many people come through this giant? And Jorge's the owner of this place, by the way. And, uh, it's an amazing area, and he's got an amazing story unto himself. But um, he goes, Shane is the only Australian that I remember. Dude, me and him got fucking close, huh? So that combi that I had, he ended up buying that. And then the second time I went there, I got quite some time accommodation and... Um, I stayed in his house as well over Christmas. So I spent one of the, I spent Christmas day there in his house and, oh man, that was the best Christmas day ever of mine. It was fun. Got amazing surf and, uh, just ate tacos, swilled Corona, uh, hung at his house. He had this amazing outside shower underneath the palm trees. You probably hung there, right? Full open living, you know, no windows. Did he have kids at that point? He had the young one. Tony. Yeah, son. Tony, yeah. It was Bubba, right? And he had the English wife. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, we are super close, man, and he was great. And then we'd, we'd always walk across the river mouth and get beaches. He'd be all over it. Um, but, yeah, he was a, he was a good good guy, Jorge. I, you Not to fuck with him, I remember being in that restaurant area and there was this full cowboy there, like full amigo. Was that his brother's restaurant? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The skinnier brother. Yeah, and we were there like it was two o'clock or something. We were just hanging, and then you literally did get some gnarly amigos just rock up. Yeah, for a it, feed. Frightening, man. The people that rock in there. Yeah, and I remember he just have the full shirt with you know the full chest plates hat and just looking at everyone. And he sat down, and you know they sit down, they almost lift their shirt to show that they got the show that they got the piece. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm like, fuck, that dude's got a piece. And then he started getting really rude and obnoxious with, the, you know, waitresses and stuff. And Jorge just sorted it out completely. He'd just come in and just started battering him, put him down against the freezer. There used to be a big, deep freezer there. Pulled the piece out and said, get the fuck out. And the dude just left. It was just like that. Pulled his own piece or yeah, the guy's piece? Yeah, Jorge pulled the piece out and just went, get the fuck out. It rattled him and it rattled everyone. And Jorge was rattled for a few days, but... I saw something in Jorge that you always knew that he had, but he, he'd done some shit when I saw that because he'd handled himself really well and just got that fucking done with, got him out of there. Well, he had been part of a, a bigger thing. Yeah, you, you can tell, like, you know, and you'd be sleeping of a night and in the coconut fields, you'd hear the pop, 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 and he'd sort of have a bit of a giggle and start talking to his, you know, family and be like, yeah, old mate's gone now. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't a match. You'd hear the noise and then it's sort of dumb, but the uh, the nomads there from the States, you know, like the older crew that have cabins and stuff, they were great people to know. So good. Yeah, man. And, and the people that would go there annually. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and to spend, you know, three to five months down there who were just for sure older and just decided that was the trajectory of, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, so Pablo, I think his name was, he'd do five months there. He had a little cabin. He, yeah, he... he he was Jorge's mate who remembered you as well. And yeah. he's the guy that spent half the time in Indo, half the time yeah, there. Yeah, and then he'd go straight to deserts. Yeah, full barrel weaver. He could ride a barrel. Real super small, sinewy dude. Really good at fixing dings. Yeah, yeah, he used to do the ding repairs. And um, he'd get, what'd he get? He'd get all the boardies from Bali and stuff and, and uh, try and sell them in Indo. And I never forget, I used to kick it with him. He'd have, he had an extension lead that he used to skip with. So I used to skip with him down there, like full extension, like 15 volt extension lead. We'd skip barefooted with our bodies on. It didn't feel good when it hit your toes. No. Yeah, yeah. Ow. But yeah, we used to skip a lot together. It was fun. It, he'd, he'd only surf when it was really good. Yeah. He'd only surf when it was really good. But, um, yeah, what a place, huh? And I keep thinking about where I'd like to go on a surf trip. I've been looking at boat trips and all that really expensive stuff, and it's like if I were to get some time with myself and go back to my roots, I'm like, why wouldn't you just do Mex for two, three weeks and base yourself at Nexpa? It's what I want. I want a left hand, a point break, nothing too sizey, just fun. Good food. Good food, healthy food. Yeah. Um, How's gluten-free go over there? Don't know. Yeah. Taco's no good. Well, they had a lot of rice. Yeah. Is rice... Oh, I'm going to sound really stupid now. Can you, you have rice? You're all good with rice, especially that wild and brown. Yeah. Try, try Ask Jorge. You got the wild and brown rice? <laughs> <laughs> Come see a hand pace. <laughs> yeah, man, I'd like to go back to Mex. It'd be a good surf trip. Yeah be a good surf trip i'm i'm not sure of you know what is it mexico city and then how big a drive is it to mex city oh from there it's a long way because you know it's you're closer to porto mex city i think can you fly straight into porto no you can fly near porto but you can fly mex city first yeah and then fly but i drove from porto to mex city yeah okay yep what'd that take you i can't remember it was I think you'd do it like you'd have a sleep somewhere. Uh-huh. You could do it in a day, you know, a good drive and then get be there the next day by memory. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's worth thinking about, Max. It's somewhere where I wouldn't take my family. Well, you know, that, that being said, there was a lot of people and even when I was there, there was a war going on in the Michigan and there was still people there with family. Like there was an Aussie guy there actually who had his wife and kids. Yeah, right. Probably being a bit helicopter parent there, but... I think it's fine when you're at the resort or yeah, that's camp. Right. It's, it's getting there. It's getting there. It's yeah. the sketchy bit. Yeah, that's right. It's the buses and all that, and yeah, but um, but you could fly down to Zwat and then have Jorge pick you up. Yeah, it'd be cool to get in touch with him, huh? I keep in touch with um Tony, his son. How old's he now? He so he'd be eighteen. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah. So there you go. I haven't been there for that long. Yeah, he's still a uh, 
Crawford 7-2 there of mine aboard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I left some things there. Sick Mexi blanket. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. I don't expect to see that if I go over there. Um, I just like to go over there and hang. Yeah. Just marinate in that family hammock and surf. Huh. Having a little epiphany? Be nice. Yeah. It's just getting there. It's getting there. Expensive to fly to America right now and expensive then to... I looked at it not that long ago. It was like, bloody Dude, hell. expensive to fly everywhere. I mean, fuck, dude. It's We just got a price on Fiji for the family. It's like, nah, we're hooking the van up. Too exy. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. The whole state of affairs of travel and where to go now and find something that's quiet. It feels like there's nothing really quiet anymore. Nah, that's why it's sort of appealing just to sort of jump in the cruiser, lock the hubs in and, you know, we've we've pretty much got it. We just don't look outside the circle sometimes, you know. We just got to get out there and have an adventure, really. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And that for us, I think, will be like the south coast, New South Wales and just, you know, milk that. Nice and close. So you came back from Mex. And how long after that trip did you meet Andy? Oh, I reckon two years. Yeah, sweetheart. Yeah, two years um, we met. And then, you know, we, we started off sick, me and Andy, because when we first met, we went straight to Indo. Like, we hardly knew each other, so we just went straight to Indo and um, spent a lot of time at G-Land and stuff. And where, where did you meet? We met at the G-Bung at Hawthorne Sunday, Arvo Swills. She was there for a friend's birthday, and um, we got along straight away. And we tried to catch up that night. I knew where she was, but the bouncers wouldn't let us in. Me and Christian McCarthy were wrestling out the front. We were full of <laughs> dust. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, I can't let you in there, mate. I could literally see her through the window. And I'm like, all right, there goes that. And then, um, yeah, I'd organised to catch up with her because I knew she was going back to the Goldie. So we caught up the next night. We had like a double date at Zagami's. Oh, my God. It was Scotty McCauley and Tina. And we exchanged numbers and we'd chat heaps. I still have, this is so ill, but I still have that phone number that she gave me. I showed Jade the other day. That she wrote down. You've still got the bit of paper. Yeah, it's 25 years old. That is unreal. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that. I keep shit like that. <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, we um, we chat heaps and I went up to the Goldie and I'd organised a Maldives trip. That's right. Just two weeks away for myself to surf. And I went Sri Lankan Airlines. I always went Singapore when I'd go over there, but I thought I'll save a buck and go on Sri Lankan Airlines. No insurance. Good idea, right? <laughs> and um, I rocked up there. My boards didn't arrive. My bag didn't arrive. I was in like cargoes in a singlet. And then my boards arrived two days later and all three boards like two foot broken off the nose like a fucking forklift drove over him or something so i just tapped out and i was talking to andy a bit over in the maldives and got back and she's like yeah i'm over it too do you want to go to indo and i'm like let's do it so we just slapped it on the plastic for three months 
And we met this dude in Lakey Peak. He's like, yeah, come over to Perth. We'll give you some work on the prawn boats at Exmouth. So we left Indo and went to WA. And we first went down to Margie's and then went up to Exmouth. We just hired a Ford dude. We just drove and ate Chico Rolls for two weeks. We had no idea how big WA was. <laughs> Surf <laughs> fuck all. And we like looked at each other going, well, what are we doing? Let's just go to Goldie. So, yeah, we, um, we moved in together at Chugs there. No, Corumban was our first place. And, um, yeah, haven't looked back, dude. Andy's awesome. But the way we started our relationship... We had no interferences. We were holidaying, you know what I mean? We were surfing and she was enjoying overseas and just kicking it. And, um, yeah, we, we'd we like to get back to our roots with the kids and show them how we started and do some trips like that. Mm. Um, but like we just discussed, it's so expensive. So we're all about the caravan. But you guys do lots of trips in the caravan. That's we great. smash the caravan, dude, and we yeah. have a ball. And we invested in the caravan and decide that's what we want to do, you know. So the girls love the caravan. Um, they're getting pretty tall, dude, for the bunks. How, tell me, how did, how did, when, you, when you met Andy back in the day and you first met Andy's brother, how did he take you? Yeah, it was first meeting him, like, it, that was weird when I first met him because he's just a fucking unit, Shaggy, as you know. <laughs> like, um, I walked in Shaggy's house and Kate's, his wife's house, and we were sitting down for fish and chips. Didn't know him for, like, five minutes. Sitting down for fish and chips, and I knew he was, like, some kickboxing gnarly dude. And I'm literally sitting down eating me fish and chips and he's dropped his pants and spread his ass cheeks and just shown me his ass on and goes, what do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? And, and he's like, Shane, you know, knowing what her brother's like. And, and uh, yeah, ever since then, he's a really good friend, Shaggy. I'm lucky to have him as a brother-in-law, you know, Shaggy. And, um... Yeah, they're, they're a lot alike, Andy and Shaggy. They're, you know, Andy doesn't drop pants and spread them. <laughs> Not for anyone. But, um, yeah, they're pretty loose, man. That whole family is, um, they're special. They're special country people. Yeah. Yeah. Enough said. Oh, my God. It's so good. So, Raymo, I just want to say I'm so impressed with this second win that you've got at the moment. It's- Thanks, man. It's only getting stronger. Like, it feels as if I haven't even started with this whole healthy, you know, straight-edge living. I'm really enjoying it, you know. I think... Because, um- as you said, two years. I remember two years ago, you came around here and you couldn't stop swelling. And nah, you're over dude, yourself. I, I was drinking so much beer. And when I say so you're much heavy. beer... You are heavy. Yeah, well, just a consistent good tradie, you know, like six before dinner. I'd never swill after dinner. And if there was a big night of swilling, like, I was no good the next day. You know about that. Yeah. Because you'd have to take it to another level. Everyone was really motivated to do it. But like I said, I would tradesman swiller. I was happy with me four to six every night, eat tucker and be done. And that was wearing down on me hard. Yeah, man, you were worn down. I remember yeah. having lots of conversations with worn you. Worn down, super overweight, unhealthy, um, you know, not so much unhappy because I've got a beautiful family. Life's great there. 
works good, but all you, that. You were to a degree that you knew there was more that you could be offering, and I felt like you felt that. Yeah, and I always used to think about training. Like I, I used to train so much as a kid. It was just something that we all did as a bunch of crew, you know, like if it wasn't running or boxing or dewy and I, I started to miss that because it mellowed me out and I were a little bit like an unpredictable Alsatian Teagues. You never knew what you're going to get with me when I was drinking too much, you know. Can you pat him? Yeah, I can pat him, but the next day I, I bit. <laughs> so I saw that in me and I didn't like it, you know, and um, – I feel fucking awesome, dude. Like not swilling, ice bathing with me mates, training. I'm surfing more this year. I want to get in the water more. Um, I'm surfing a lot with Jade. Lily's getting keen as well. I want to spend more time in the ocean. I spent a lot of time out of the ocean when I snapped me fibia out at Winky. That was fucked up. That was... Um yeah, that was a bit of a turning point, wasn't it? Oh, that was fucked, huh? That just wasn't in the brochure, you know? Like, what happened? Dude, I was thinking about that the other day, and I know exactly what happened. Because on the Monday, it was really clean, super sunny day, but had a lot of north to it. It was like proper four to five foot. And I went to do a backhand Rio, and you know when that north catches your board? And it it did like a kickflip and I got a full fin compact. The center fin just got me right underneath my right foot, like just full hammered it. And that hurt and I just kept surfing and, you know, those injuries, you get fin knocks and stuff and rail knocks, you, your adrenaline's pumping, you keep surfing. But I think I may have fractured it because on the Tuesday it was, it was still a bit of swell but it was coming in southeast. And at the time... Or enjoying like taking off of me backhand and not bottom turning, but tapping it straight away. And it come in like a southeast wedge and I I kind of free fell. It wasn't the right wave to do it on. I free fell and hurried that tap and raced on through and thought, oh, it's closing out. And as I jumped off, my board, my, my foot just was on the front. It kept tracking as I jumped off the back of the wave. And it's like as if the wave put my foot in an ankle lock. Like there was momentum with my front foot moving with the board and my body jumping over the top of the wave. Oh, cr- yeah, and it's like the foam was just just tickled me calf and then it was just that pop, pop. And I was like, oh, my God, it was the warmest sensation right up my leg. And I was sessioning with Benny Carr. Like we was like, let's surf together. And there was not many crew out at all. I was right off the end and thankfully it was low tide. And I knew that I couldn't stand up, so I went in on my guts and looked at my foot, and it was just hanging like a key ring. <laughs> yep. And I dropped on my guts and literally army crawled over the Winky Pops. And Chucky B, my awesome staffy dog, was there, and he ran up straight over, and, dude, I was in so much pain. And I wave him Benny Carr down, and he come in, and then another dude come in and he's like, fucking hell, Benny's like, I'll run up and ring an ambo. And there was this dude there, I'll never forget, with big dreadies. And he's like, I'm going to run up with your friend. He ran up with Benny Carr. And Bones come in and Bones helped me so hard through that whole experience. And, you know, for Bones, he was just 
hold me hand and he's like just squeeze me hand and Bonesy has these piercing blue eyes and I never forget he's like just look at me in the eyes just look at me in the eyes and I was looking down at my ankle and it was like moving it was the way that ankle shouldn't be and Chucky was mooing like a cow he knew he knew and the Ambos eventually got down and, you know, credit to the Ambos. They don't run. They don't set a panic scene. They'll just mosey. And I'll, I'll write down the end at the valley. <laughs> and um, they're like, yeah, we're going to have to chop you out. And I'm like, nah, just you can't chop me out. And Benny and Bones are like, we'll get him up there. So, yeah, shave me up. Morphine. On the reef. On the reef, yep. So they injected you? Yeah. No whistle? That, oh, in that much pain. And then got the green whistle. Oh, they both? Yeah, had the green whistle. So I had to get myself to the stair. Well, sorry. They carried me to the stairs. And I had to get myself to those rocks that you have to deal with to the stairs, yeah. So, Hold on. The Ambos didn't want to help you across those? Nah. Nah. Why they not? said, I said, I will get myself there. I didn't want to be chopped out, bro. I just oh, wanted... they were going to chop. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I missed yeah. that. And the boys were like, no, nah, we're going to get him up. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we, we got to the stairs and just all those boulders and I had to fully like army crawl and jump. And I remember Benny Carnelly vomited. Was this post-morphine? I had the morphine. So you were feeling a bit better? Oh, dude, nah. I was just in shock. Yeah. I just wanted to get at the stairs and then the boys got either side of me, carried me up. And um, straight in the ambos, straight in, yeah, plates, six pins. Didn't walk for seven months. Had to teach myself to walk with that. It was a shocker. Real bad, bad injury. Not ideal for a roof plumber. And two weeks before we had our youngest beautiful girl, Lily. (laughs) So I, I got a lot of cuddles done there. Um, but yeah, bad injury that one. So confidence level, you know, I probably didn't surf for a year and four or five months from there and a little bit jaded on it, quite jaded on it, to be honest. So I thought on, it, on what aspect, the fact that you hurt yourself? Yeah. Or you know, we yeah. love surfing so much. It just, you know, it, um, you saw me dude. I weren't happy with things mm. at all. And um, got myself through that, and we moved bush, hey? We moved on that farm, mm. and I thought I'd get back into dirt bike riding and um, froth that for, like, five, six years. Still are, but I've been surfing in the last two years, and not a lot, though, huh? You see it go through stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've um, definitely been honing in on the bike angle. Yep. Yeah, definitely. But... Um, this year, you know, Jade's showing heaps of interest in surfing and I'm going in there with her in the mornings and stuff and I'm like, I've got to start fitting my sessions in too. So, you know, you're motivating me, dude. Go for that grovel like I did this morning um, and just enjoy the ocean. Don't worry about the wave count, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. actually enjoying just sort of suiting up, grabbing me board and taking me time when I session now. Well, you know what I love about the grovel too is just like if you just – grovel more then when you do get a fun session it's actually even more fun because you've done the yards and you can capitalize on the conditions when they're a bit better because you've been charting the action shit yeah I, I mean i didn't expect much today at all and i i took out a bigger board i've been surfing a shorter board and you know so the wave count was there and i just got a couple of windswell runners but 
definitely a better father and husband for it when I'm surfing. Yeah. You know, like I think when I train, it's good for my head, but I don't feel as mellow as I do when I'm surfing. I don't feel as content. There's nothing like that surfed out feeling. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I had a big morning this morning. What, you've surfed? You've gone to the gym? Yeah, dummy dummy rowing for every Sunday, trying to cap that 5Ks in 20 minutes and come real close today. Missed it by 140 metres. Yeah. Got home and then grabbed the ice bath and here I am, man. That was a sick ice bath. Yeah, man, that was... Uh, actually, I, was, I couldn't wait for you to come oh, over yes. to do it. <laughs> It's so invigorating. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. You know, I want to try and at least minimum three times a week. You know what I love? The the, the fact that there's the brown skin cells that disappear in a human from living comfortably and they come back when you expose yourself to cold and supposedly that's something that we had when we were like more of a robust being. Huh. And, and, you know, as we get more and more comfort, you know, we equate success with comfort, we get softer. Oh, yeah. And it's sort of a way of bringing back. Yeah, that's what I really enjoy, you know. Um, body punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm learning, like, you know, there's no means of my fit. I'd like to get a lot fitter, but... And you could relate. You're really fit, man. You're as fit as I've seen you in a long time. Yeah, thanks. But where I think, I I think probably cardio, I'm starting to learn not to panic like now, you know, when you're just at that point where you're gassing out so much. And the ice bathing has helped me with that, you know, with your breathing. And if you don't breathe in that ice bath, you know, you're not going to last. So... You know, you're really breathing. And then if you transfer that to your cardio, I'm finding it a lot easier, um, especially in those hard wads that you're doing at CrossFit. I do. I remember when you would gas out. Oh, blow. Well, they used to call me the blowfish at Dewey because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would, you know, gas out real quick. But I enjoy that feeling now of, yeah, sort of just taking it as how far can your lungs really take it um, and not panicking, you know, but watching that crossfit competition that we did yesterday they're a whole different level yeah 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 there's so many of the levels within it you know what would be really good for your breathing if you have you done jeff's breathing stuff no nah, i'm interested in that it's really good i think you'd love it because it's like just do it at home by yourself and there's no pressure and you can see you can measure you can see your uh advances quite quickly it'd almost be like sort of a meditation it is Yep. Yeah, it's very meditative, and I, I definitely could tell when I was training heaps at CrossFit and doing that, my aerobic capacity was going through the roof. Yeah, I'll have to check check that out with Rowley, actually. That'd be cool, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, man, I'm enjoying it. It's um, I think what I've got to watch is I really like it for my head, and I'm overtraining, you know. I'm Too not, much training. Yeah, 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 I'm not recovering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It's my little yeah. outlet, too, you know. It's yeah. like that... Yeah, I probably need to recover more, but I find it hard. Yeah, hard to sit still. I'm pretty good at marinating on the couch. Like, <laughs> there's no worries about that. But I think I'm just enjoying it. Like, it's my time, and I love putting the earbuds in and just listening to some fucking good tunes too. Yeah, yeah. What are you listening to at the moment? Kind of frothing me stone of rock at the moment. Yes. Like Danzig, Clutch. Um, you yeah. doing Kaya's? 
Yeah, man, fully, Kais. Run that hard and even, like, just getting old school, dude. Rage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still haven't changed much, <laughs> hey, Mark? <laughs> no, me, my, me neither. Like. Yeah, I still go back to the roots. Yeah. You know, I still go back to me roots and what I frothed on, I still listen to. Soundgarden at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah, Soundgarden yeah. stuff. How's yeah. that, eh? Yeah. Yeah, not old at all. <laughs> 70s model Fuck. love it Ramo I want to say thank you so much for coming over dude it's been sick fun like you said just come over for a hang and you know I'm jumped on the train and it's been epic dude because I know that you're a little bit tentative there for a little while yeah yeah I mean I I suppose all like yeah I was, what are you going to talk about but dude like you said it's just hanging on the deck having a coffee so yeah. I appreciate it man it's always good just to hang with you Shane. Air tags. Well, there you have it. There was my chat with none other than Shane Raymond. Raymo, thank you, man. Thank you. That was unreal. That was, um, yeah, dude. But, you know, I, I know a lot. I, I knew and I know a lot. But there was things in there that you, you put in there that I didn't know. And uh, I didn't know that you'd done time uh, in the Mexican joint and you'd gotten a fight in a Mexican prison. <laughs> I love it. Um, not that they're things to be gauged as, um, you, you know what I'm saying, fuck it, whatever. That was good good yarn, good yarn. Um Whoever you are out there in the wide world, I hope you're having a really. I hope you've had a good Christmas break. I hope you're having a nice start to 2024. Um, you know, love it. Chase down your dreams. Do what you do. If you don't want to chase down your dreams, fucking do whatever you want. I don't know what it is that makes people tick, but I know it makes me tick. So I'll just stick in my lane. I'm doing me. All right. Until next time, take it easy. Bye for now.